What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo. Uber Lyft driver gig economy news. Sponsored by UberLyftDrivers.com, RidesharRodeo.com, WithPara.com. I'm your host, SJ, and uh, well, hell, it's time to get it on. So this week, uh, there's some news. We put some news up on the website, as we always do. Check out UberLyftDrivers.com. Um, and, uh, we also today on the podcast, uh, this week we have, uh, David and Jimmy from prior, uh, formerly autonomy.jobs now with para.com and, uh, lots of projects on the horizon. We're going to discuss a bunch of things and, uh, and, uh, talk about moving forward because this project is for gig workers. Okay. It's for platform, app-based platform gig workers who want to make more money, who want to optimize their time better, who want to optimize the hours they work better to be the best profitable ones. All of us, are, most of us who do this are on flex time. So I know you're already limited on what you can do. So why not unrestrict a lot of those limitations and open up your options on what you can do? Don't rely on just one gig app anymore. You know, and uh, we're going to get into that with this interview with uh, David and Jimmy. But um, I like what With Pair is doing, and I'm, I'm happy to be uh, partnered up with them and uh, doing what I can to help get these projects out there because they're going to be great. Um, you know, we've been talking about these for a while, and you know, you gotta you gotta try things, you gotta succeed, fail, try things. Um, and uh, it's it's definitely, everything's on the right path. But I'm not going to sit here and talk about it. I'm just going to roll into the interview, and uh, then I'll come back on the other side. Okay, so uh, we have David and Jimmy from With Para. You guys there? Yeah. Yeah, we're here loud and clear, Steve. Okay. Thanks for having us. Yeah, man. Um, so I'm just also trying to make sure that these recording levels are coming out right. Um, so to the people out, to our listeners out there, uh, obviously um, I'm running a very archaic system here, and all of us are scattered in different places. Jimmy, Jimmy happens to be in my state, David's in his state, and I'm in a state that none of us go to. So uh, <laughs> um, I guess. Uh, you know, uh, Jimmy, how's the snow? It's good, man. I can't even see the top of the mountain right now. It's coming down, so. Yes, yeah, I, I saw from your picture, it looked pretty overcast. Yeah, no, so. it helps. They didn't have a lot of snow on the ground, so it's, it's good to get some. Yeah, same thing. Coming in last night was like a danger ride. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're all everywhere. David's fishing. Um, I'm about to be doing some backcountry stuff. Jimmy's snowboarding or skiing in Colorado, so this is kind of weird but cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> hey, Steve, are you are you ready to do uh, Corbet's Collier, or however you pronounce that? The what now? Have you seen that, like, epic run in Jackson Hole, like Corbet, Corbet's oh, we, No. Yeah, we, no, we did that la- a couple years ago when we were up here. Yeah, awesome. It's, it is awesome, man. Jackson Hole, we're not going to Jackson Hole. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're actually, we're on the other side of the Tetons. We're in uh, just by Victor Driggs 
Idaho. So we're actually okay. in Idaho, not Wyoming. Gotcha. Uh, but, you know, like, so right on, like, I could see Grand T. If, it, if the skies were clear, I could see Grand Teton from here. So yeah. I would just be seeing the backside of what they see from Jackson. So they're just across a pass from each other. But, <clears throat> yeah, we're going to probably just do some, catch some uh, untracked uh, backcountry lines. So. Yeah, I don't know how you guys do it. I mean, you know, in the movies, it all looks so smooth, but I'm just like pivoting every 30 feet, coming down a blue. So, you know. <laughs> well, to be, I mean, to be honest, um, the more snow and the more untracked snow, it slows you down, actually. Yeah. So, I mean, if once you get deep snow, we actually, the night before, we're, we're putting on as much wax as we can on our board so that we get through that snow. Yeah. You know, even the parts that turn just to us a, a, a lesser... Um, grade going down it's you know if the slope isn't steep and there's a ton of snow you'll stop <laughs> yeah so it's, awesome. it's just a different way of riding you know you're at least with a snowboard I skied too but with a snowboard you're riding pushing all like I'm, I'm at steamboat I'd be riding balanced over my board and here yeah. I'm going to be all back weight on my back leg lifting my tip up yeah so That's it's awesome. more it's more like a surfing. You're more catching that surfing vibe of a wave. Yeah. That's awesome. And you do anything other than uh, backcountry? <clears throat> we just got this great house, um, some you know, old friends that are basically family and stuff. We're up here for a um, anniversary and uh probably just spending a lot of time here. We got no neighbors, we're just in the middle of the forest. Um, yeah. really nice house. We got a hot tub. So Nice. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain. We got snowshoes. There's trails that connect that take you to Grand Targi right from here. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's it, man. Yeah. yeah. And David, have you caught a fish? I, I haven't the most. I'm jealous of both of y'all. The, uh, the most exciting thing I'm doing today is I'm uh, interviewing for a delivery driver role at a warehouse. So, that'll be my day. <laughs> All right. Nice. Is that Jupiter? That is, yeah. Okay, nice. Um, okay, so I, I real quickly, I, David, you and I talked about this. One thing I wanted to just kind of bring everybody up to speed on, because if people and people still are going back and hearing our older podcast now that there's this is the thirty fifth one today. So when there was one, two, th and three, fourth one, it wasn't really like an archive to go back and listen to. So people would just catch on, they were learning about it. Now people do still go back. So if people are going back, you've been on three or four of the podcasts, David, and every time we associated autonomy.jobs, and I have mentioned this, but I think it's a good time to kind of put pull all this together. So autonomy.jobs, David's project that we have talked about on the podcast before, is now called withpara.com. And I have said that before um, as well. But also, um, Rideshare Rodeo has its website. Uber Lyft Drivers has its website. Uh, Rideshare Rodeo, the new year, will be embedded into the new year, Uber Lyft Drivers page. So you can still go to ridesharerodeo.com. It will take you to the Uber Lyft Drivers page, and it will be there. So you can just go to also just go to uberlyftdrivers.com, find all of our podcast episodes, find all of our news and a few additives, and one of them will be like, I don't know how it'll be worded, but it'll be something Project Para, because I'm going to help out with these guys 
trying to get some of their awesome projects launched in the earlier part of uh, 2019 or 2019, <laughs> 2021. <laughs> We're going back in time, guys. 2021, um, because all these projects have been great, and obviously it's it's good that some of them didn't launch because they've already evolved. But um, I was kind of hoping that uh, we could talk about that, David. Like where, where, like I mean, like the first thing I see when I go to with Para, I, I told you the other day, I loved it. Like where, and I know there's like app development going on, but it's not even to the beta mode yet, but that wasn't even talked about before. So can we get up to speed with some of that? Yeah, of course. So we have a couple things going on. So right now we're really focused on building uh, what we're calling sort of our base app, basically. So this will do just a couple things uh, well. So we're going to do just simple automatic earnings tracking. So you can sort of connect the different accounts that you work on, and we can show you on sort of a daily, weekly, monthly view what you earned across the different apps. Uh, And that's just done right and done simply, and we hope that people find that helpful. Uh, in that app also, we've started to bake in some very basic uh, local insights. So how that's worked is uh, we've scraped together a lot of data for given cities. And we're in the process right now of actually trying to work with uh, local experts, basically, but, uh, to review the data and to create a product that's going to be helpful. Because at the end of the day, it's cool that we have this data. We know that nothing, you know, the most important thing is the person who's the expert on the ground. Uh, so those two together, uh, plus basically owning a centralized profile is going to be our app. Yeah. Uh, we're slated to launch that the second or third week of January. But I think what's coming up is we're actually sort of trying out two new features right now that we're quite excited about. Uh, so the first one is what we're calling, I think you alluded it to, alluded to it just now, is one-click apply. Yeah, hey, so what what, is, wait, David, before yeah. you go any farther, though, then I'm going to put you right back to here. Um, I do yeah. want to mention to anybody listening that when you heard data, David talking about data, this is not data farming at all. This is taking data packaging and being able to make the app work. So it's. I just wanted to make that clear to people because everybody and everybody's having their data sold, robbed, yes. all this stuff. That's We've mentioned this before. I just wanted to make it clear to people this is not that. No, and I appreciate that. I think that's a really good thing to highlight is we're representing on behalf of you and we're getting your data for you on the platforms. So the example for a lot of these platforms is it's hard to access your data, you know, beyond six months back, but it's your damn data, right? So you should be able to access it. So what we're really doing is basically sort of going to the platforms and saying, hey, Steve, uh, this data is Steve's and Steve should be able to access it and view it how he likes. Right. Okay, so everybody, it's the same thing we've talked about with the EU decision that where they had to go through court rulings and that everybody was allowed to get their data. And when David and I talked previously, it came in a very ugly package. It just got mailed to you, and it was almost like you couldn't read it. But every gig worker in Europe got that, and by that decision had to be given all of their data from every gig company. We don't have that in the United States, so there's data theft. And there's data theft over there, too, but that was a ruling specific to gig. Now, let's roll back to the app. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. No, that's a really important call out. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I think uh, on our end, we have sort of two new features we're testing. Uh, one click apply is what we're coining it. So we can take a centralized profile 
and apply to, you know, sort of the universe of gig apps in your city on behalf of you. So, you know, if you were to have to apply to five or 10 apps, it can be a pain. And a lot of the time you're sort of entering repetitive information. Uh, so we just want to be able to help you do that, basically. And I think an interesting part of that, too, is that we can continue to scan and find new apps. So you don't have to always be on top of that, basically. We will go and try out those apps. I know I sort of mentioned it earlier is I'm going to go interview for this company. We're only going to recommend stuff that we ourselves have verified and we ourselves have tried, uh, which is why exactly why I'm going to go interview at Jupiter, this new up-and-coming startup here in San Francisco. Uh, we have this other sort of a second one, which we're also just starting to build, but I think is really fascinating, is what we call a personal dispatch. So we will then monitor those apps on behalf of you and basically only surface opportunities that make sense. Uh, and that takes into account your preferences and where you work and how you like to work. And obviously that's a much more ambitious project. Uh, but I do have an ask is if anyone out there is interested in, and I think I caveat this with it's still super, 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 not even beta alpha, right? But if anyone's interested in that, we would love to work with you and try that out. Uh, but that is sort of the bigger ambitious thing we're trying to build. Is that a, um, is that a regional thing where you're looking for only certain regions to do this? Uh, I think at first, yes, but... To be honest, if anyone is just super excited by this, we would love to hear from you and would love to No, of, of, of course. That's, yeah. I, I'm just wondering if you're looking specifically for Bay Area. Uh, no, no. Okay. Or, or I just mean it here in the not because you took it back from beta to alpha. At this point, are you looking for more localized? or? I mean, I know really what you're looking for. You wouldn't care what market it is if there were 50 people doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we don't even need 50 people for this. We're just looking for that one person who, you know, uh, in an area where this is just exciting and they want to try it out. And yeah, just, yeah. You know, well, that's, that's, us, that's we, we should be able to talk a lot of people yeah. into that because, I mean, if they go, again, people go to, don't just listen to us, go to withpara.com and take a look and look at what he's talking about too so you can visualize because it, it, it is very easy to visualize from what you have up on withpara for content. Because you can just see, even the pictures kind of show the story. Yeah, pictures worth a thousand of, you know, I mean, ten thousand of my words. I, so. I mean, I, right, I just think it shows, it, you, you did a good job showing what what you're saying right now, that you're trying to, you know, and, and I, I liked a lot of that parts, like after you apply and you've been accepted, like how it's showing you, you know, you should be working this. You should, this is something you and I were talking about way back when, and now... Here it is, and even in app development and all that, so. Yeah, no, it's it's super exciting. And uh, so, Jimmy, we're, we're, uh, what, uh, what, what, what parts are you excited about? Or what, what are your, what are your, if you could have a passion project here, what would it be? Yeah, man. I, so I, I like the one-click apply stuff a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess like to go a bit deeper on that. I mean, maybe the type of person who would be most interested in that sort of project is someone who doesn't just do multi-apping, but like what I kind of think of as multi-siloing. So, you know, like you can have your Uber and your Lyft app within Rideshare, and you can have Grubhub, DoorDash, Uber Eats within uh, delivery. 
But uh, the person who probably benefit the most from sort of one-click apply and then us providing those insights and sort of helping them multi-silo is someone who's kind of willing to, I guess, be a little adventuresome, right? So maybe maybe it means rideshare, maybe it means delivery. There's moving apps, right? There's all sorts of different stuff out there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. That, I, that That's something I'm excited about. Yeah, I, 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 I love that idea, too. I mean, all to be honest, really, like even some of the ideas we're not talking about right now that, David, we've talked about in the past, I think I've loved all of our ideas. It's just refining the ones to how to get them out there quick. Because I, I guess what I'm meaning in that is I wouldn't be shocked to see some of the older ideas resurface once these launch. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think... Uh... You know, we've had some really great conversations, and I think it's uh, what we're trying to do right now is just make it happen. And I think uh, that's why we're thankful also, you know, to have Jimmy on the team is at first you're just going to get this sort of high-touch service from us, right, as we figure out how to make it better, how we figure out how to automate it. Uh, So, you know, if you do sign up for this, you'll be, you know, getting me and Jimmy basically as your assistant for a while. Right. Yeah. And then I'll come in and crack the whip if there's issues. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, my goodness. I'll also wrangle up some uh, some gig people, too, because there's no reason we people shouldn't be willing to try this right now. I mean, especially to people listening, look, let's, let's just give the basic overtone of what applying for these apps is. I mean, once this is dialed down, you're basically putting into one – to bid for fifth to, to work fifteen platforms. Now you don't have to work all of them at all, but to, yeah. if you want to work just two platforms, it's going to be more work to apply for those two platforms than just apply through for the fifteen once that is dialed. Because I'm going to use Uber and Lyft here as the examples. Uber and Lyft can hold you up forever, and they're running all kinds of crazy checks. They, they personally hold the data, and obviously they would still get this once you're on their platform. But, like, if you apply to the 15 platforms and you're not working any of them, they're not really going to delve into your information until they see you using it. I mean, you know, it's, it's like a null account. Like, a null account is worthless to them. It's not – there's nothing to be sold off. There's nothing to do. So, I, I mean, I guess my point is, like, instead of going through all the hassle of – signing up for all these platforms to just do it through the one spot. I don't know. To me, that's huge. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know the security check part. I don't know how that will work, but obviously that's something that we'll discuss in weeks to come, I'm sure. Um, But I'm curious about that, like background checks. Um, Like how a background check would work for 15 companies through one. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've, you know, signed up personally for a number of these. Uh, Rather interestingly, a lot of them use the same background check company, Checker. Right. Uh, But what's fascinating is, you know, know, let's say we signed up for 10 different apps on the same two days. One will get back to you within hours. A couple will get back to you within days. Some will get back to you within weeks. And what's sort of, I guess, I, I find it funny at least, is I'll hear from a platform saying, hey, we're still waiting on the background check results to come through. And I'm like, the same company gave me the results a week or two ago. So it's just, it's it's a mess, right, to be honest. Dude, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story that is 
here's I blew off a friend who was driving. He had been driving for Uber for a while, and he applied for Uber Eats. He told me a story, and I kind of just blew it off as uh, I think you messed something up along the way, and I just played it like, oh, sorry to hear that. But then I heard from another person the exact same story. They are Uber drivers, applied for Uber Eats, got an email back saying, we're processing, you should be active to go live in 24 hours. But the first friend did not tell me this portion, but when I got back to him, he's like, yeah, I got that too. So that's what I kind of knew was there was pieces missing. But when I got those pieces, it's kind of weird because the second person that I talked to applied for Uber Eats, both in Denver area too. Um, and that person got the email back saying within 24 hours, you should see the option to go live on Uber Eats in your Uber uh, app. And we will send you a confirmation email. Never got a confirmation email, kept checking the app. Um, finally just gave up on it. He did this in July. He got an email two weeks ago saying he was approved for Uber Eats. Now, he, now on top of everything else, he's been an Uber driver. He's a, he's a 4.8... Uh, Uber driver with over 5,000 rides, and he had to wait three months, four months, for what they said would take 24 hours. My my yes. only my only That's guess great. my only guess is here it's not just security holdups is that they just have too many people driving Uber Eats. Yeah, yeah, I think it's definitely a combination of both. I think yeah. sort of uh, they're paid for a slower background check, and then they're purposely sort of halting it also. But then why don't why don't they get rid of the twenty four hour thing? Why send out an email? This is a worldwide company, and yes, they don't know how to make any money. <laughs> but they keep other people making money. <laughs> but how is this worldwide company not overlooking the fact that they're sending everybody who applies? A thing that says, yeah, just check the app. You'll be on in 24 hours. I think my philosophy when it comes to a lot of these companies is uh, I think a lot of people think it's malicious, but unfortunately I've sort of settled on the fact that it's incompetence more than maliciousness. You know, I was gonna, and I was just going to say that to you. I was going to ask you because I know you have a little more experience with the inner workings of Uber too. Like to me, what I'm picturing is somebody did tell somebody something like, Hey man, you know, can you fix that email issue that says that they'll be ready in 24 hours and just say, you know, we'll send you an email when you are verified. That way they, they're not checking the app. Like it says to keep checking. Don't have them running this wild goose chase. Just, you know, do this. And, and, and the person was like, okay. And then they, they just didn't do it. They were too lazy. They didn't feel like doing it. You're assuming they even talk to each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I am assuming that somebody said, hey, man, you want to do this? But maybe the person even said, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. I think <laughs> it goes back to... I think it goes back to one of the themes of your show, Steve, which is just like, you know, like that the basically there's, there's not a whole lot of like other options for drivers or to turn to, right? So like if there were other platforms that you could sign up for instantly, right? If there were other options, right? like even if, right, the Uber people weren't talking to each other, they'd have to figure it out fast. But when there's no other options, right, there's just not a lot of power. So, Right. You know, I mean, we are seeing some, I mean, Alto launched this week in, in or on the 8th in L.A. I thought that was pretty big. 
Um, Alto's, I thought that was weird too. I don't know what you guys know about Alto or if you even know, are familiar, but um, they're from Dallas. Um, they, this is, LA is their second market. They were going to expand all of Texas, but they were waiting on the Proposal 22. And if Proposal 22 had gone the no direction so that Uber had to make everybody employees and stuff, they were ready to move to LA. The day after it passed yes by 6 million votes, so overwhelmingly passed in California, that no, you cannot hold AB5 as the umbrella over gig work, app-based gig workers. No, you can't do that. That's what Prop 22 allowed. And so that should have meant Alto refocused on Texas. The next day after the election, they said they would launch on the 8th in L.A. And so now they did launch on the 8th. Now here's the kicker. Alto is making money in Dallas really well. They Every car is an Alto car. They're all um, less they're two years or less old. They are um, minivans and SUVs only. And they're all top of the line. The driver is sealed in a contained bubble. Um, and between every ride, there is a 15-second sanitizing uh, mist that happens within the car that kills 99.9% of bacteria everywhere except for the bubble that the driver drives in. And all of these people, here's the other kicker, all these people are employees with health benefits being paid an hourly amount plus their tips and uh, health coverage. And they did this after Prop 22 passed. So basically, I started doing the breakdown in L.A., and basically it falls between the price range of an Uber X and an Uber Black. So you're going to pay a little bit more than you would for your Uber X. But like if I did, I did a, just a couple of dress checks. So like if you were... You know, 15 miles from, or 10, you know, 15 miles from the airport or 10 miles from the airport, and you needed to get to the airport in LA. Um, it's going to be like, yeah, it's going to be like three or four more dollars to have that service, though. Like, I, I, I got to say, I got to say, personally, I'd call out, I'd call Alto. I would, I would just love to see that self-disinfecting thing in the car. I think that sounds pretty cool. Right. I mean, well, the problem is is that Uber's not going to start providing um, – I mean, first of all, these are company cars. Second of all, they're professionally installed air bubbles, like where the driver is. So every time it, it, it sanitizes the car, it doesn't sanitize the driver's space. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even the, if the driver the, were to step the out of the ca- even if the driver were to step out of the car and shut the door and let it sanitize, he's still living in a chemical world. They've got this base so that the driver's in his own bubble, and he doesn't even know it's sanitized. He can crack his window. He can. I mean, like he can, <clears throat> He's living his own environment, and the rest of the vehicle is is them. You know, we had Tony Fumano on the podcast a while back, who is the maker of AirPod. That you can find it, uh, AirPod. What is it? AirPod. He has some weird extension. Dot, dot jobs. Maybe dot jobs. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not dot jobs, I know that's. I know that was autonomy, but it's something else. 
um, like that. But anyway, <coughs> his AirPod is that same type of structure. But he even on the podcast himself admittedly said, it is the best product out there. It takes a little while to install it correctly. So that means not, that meant to me, and I didn't want to delve too far, but that meant to me that not only did it take a while, it took a while for people with the kind of knowledge it takes to do that as well. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying everybody doesn't have that, but a lot of people don't. You know, they might get start getting in there and be like, what do you mean fold this and hold this at the same time? And You know, it's like once it's in, it's, it's great. But it's getting it in. Yeah, no, agreed. But I think uh, the uh, one thing I do want to highlight, I think, is uh, it's just tough. You know, you're out there, you're driving, you're working, trying to make money. It's tough to have to, you know, be on top of sort of new apps, or not even new apps, but apps that are out there that you aren't aware of. That's hard. Like, you don't, you know, go home. After a long day of driving, the last thing you do when you go home is probably want to research more, right, Sarah? companies right. unless you're me jimmy or steve <laughs> right but, uh you know and then on top of that let's say you do find one right uh how do you know it's any good how do you know what the pay is then you have to apply and wait for a while even if you get accepted how do you know it's going to be worth your while or it's going to be something that's good right that's just it's the whole process is just difficult right and you just that's i why we're building what we're building is we, you know, we'll take that work out of your hands. We will go try things out. We'll validate that it's worth your time. We'll remove the friction to apply to that. You sure. know, just, uh, in the world in which more and more companies are sort of coming up and trying to have different business models, uh, we just hope to be able to, yeah, help people. That way. Right. And that's, and I mean, that's David, that's how you and I met. <laughs> <laughs> You and I met, I mean, trying to figure out PUA. We've, we kind of noticed each other were doing that, you know, and, and we just touched base, and then that led to all the things we've done. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I think that, and I honestly think Jimmy and I were having a conversation the other day, and we started talking about the future of gig economy. And I, I said, hold on, let's wait, because that could be on the podcast maybe. Because, I mean, the future, I'm, here's one thing I'll say for sure. I think that... The future in 2021 or 2021 slash coming out of this pandemic is going to look a lot different. And I think companies like Uber, Lyft, and some of the other companies that have gone from the 80-20 split that they were at five, six years ago where the driver was taking 80%, 85% of every ride to now the dynamic pricing model that they use with um, with the drivers where they can take... 40% on one, 70 on another, 82 on another, 15 on one. I mean, it's it's like you don't know exactly what you'll earn because of that dynamic. I think that that will be something that they're going to have to strongly look at because as I was telling as I was saying when I was talking to Jimmy, um, I don't think a lot of people realize how the pandemic fell at such a time that it was already getting harder for uber to recruit drivers and by that i mean if you look at the uber timeline you see that uber in the beginning was doing good and people started it, it started getting the buzz catchwords around town more people signed up the referral rates were high boom everybody got on board at this point everybody almost everybody that would have or might have or whatever rideshare has done it so it's not like that pool of people is still there and uber recognizes that 
You know, and they know that coming out of this pandemic, you're going to have people going, is it totally safe yet? But they're also going to measure that with the second question. I mean, safety will be first in my book. The second question that will be raised is, what are they paying? And if they go in and look and see the crappy rates that were just pre-pandemic, nobody's going to be signing up for Uber. Because now you got your fear factor in there and what, you guys are still keeping this crappy model? And I guess my hope is we're seeing little companies sprout up. I mean, heck, we're seeing Dumpling get into the rideshare space. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it gets interesting, too, is uh, getting recognized for your past work, right? So if, you know, Steve, you've done 10,000 trips, let's say, at a five-star rating, there's somebody who's going to be willing to let's, uh, let's, pay let's, you more I've, for I've that experience. 25,000 trips, okay. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, using it as an example. My bad. My bad. <laughs> uh, sorry, twenty twenty five thousand trips and a six, six star rating. My bad. <laughs> but uh, uh, but yeah, the point I was trying to make is uh, you know, hopefully these up and coming platforms will pay you more for that experience because if you're an up and coming platform. You need a good experience for your end consumers. That's the most mission critical point for your company, right? Is, you know, somebody has taken a chance on your new thing. So the reality is, uh, you know, Uber's paying market rate Friday, 25 bucks. Uh, you know, if they want to make Steve work on their platform, they should offer 29 bucks because, you know, it's a new platform with risks associated. But in fact, because of your background, they really should be paying you 35 bucks. I know sort of uh, imaginary numbers there, but that's sort of the sure. world we want to move in is if there's a world in which more and more of these platforms are coming, you should be rewarded uh, for your past work experience. And I think and I think I mean, I know you're right, but I think that you're you're right on the fact that they will have to figure out some way to do that. I think the problem there is how does every how does every Uber driver uh, decide to drive Uber or 98 percent of them? They, they decide they're going to drive Uber during an Uber ride. I'm telling you, I, as, a, as a driver, I've had so many people over there. Dude, what do I got to do to sign up? I mean, even though you could just go to Uber and figure it out, Uber.com, nobody does that. They ask. They want to know. So now you're going to have people asking, them, oh, well, how much do you make? Well, I make 35 Oh, really? Well, you won't. <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, I'm going to be kind of backslashing my own endorsement. You see what I'm saying? Because I'm going to be like, hey, newbie, you're not going to make that. Yeah. Uh, so well, I think it's, know, going to, it's going to have to be more kind of, a, um, you know, maybe it's a year. Maybe it's like some kind of equation of years, rating, trips, um, everything. And that Uber's going to have to, and this is going to be very hard, this is going to be the biggest pill Uber's have to swallow ever, is they're going to have to learn to be honest with their drivers coming in. Yeah, well, but to some extent also, you know, a person who's never driven asking you, Steve, who's an expert on this and has done 25,000 trips, what they would make and expecting that what they'd make is equal to you is like me asking Jordan how much I can expect to make playing basketball, right? Yeah, no, but I mean, I, I guess, yeah, and that, and actually you and I have talked about that on past episodes where I've said people have, and then they, and then, you know, even people I've referred, and then they get back to me, and they're like, dude, I drove like 20 hours, and I was not making what you make an hour. I'm like, 
what days and hours did you drive? Did you drive Tuesday and Wednesday from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m.? Because you're not going to make any money. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden it became, oh, well, I mean, well, I was, you know, I was just driving till 10. I'm like, oh, you drove till it got busy. Yeah. I'm like, drivers who are making, I tell this to everybody, drivers who are making money put in their time. You know, the best of drivers that I know have gotten themselves down to even scheduling, even though it's a flex gig. They might turn on here and there outside of it, but they know what days they drive and what, if they're real veterans have been doing it a while. They know when they make the best money. They know what fits around their schedule, how they can still pick up their kids and make money and all this. So I don't know what it's, it is that Uber's going to do. I mean, this is a sidetracked issue, obviously, from what you what Para can do. But at the same time, you know, it, it's Uber. I, I, I don't know. I, I think it's – I guess my take is it's going to be a good thing because they're going to try and make it evil. But I don't think there's going to be an evil – angle on this one. I think they're going to have to find a way to be a little nice, somewhat nice, or kind of nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to ask for more than that because they won't, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, and I'm, for like, personally, I'm still holding out for, like, I think there is a win-win scenario between, like, platforms like Uber and, and incoming drivers and deliverers. Like, I don't know if you, you and David have ever gotten a chance to touch on this one of your past episodes, just the, like the extreme costs each of these platforms has in terms of uh, like recruiting their driver base and like the, the massive fixed cost they have in advertising and marketing and referrals. Um, you know, like it goes back to like, you know, like the Alto question or the dumpling question, right? You know, like there's, there's not as many platforms as there are because it's so hard to start new stuff. Oh, right? I know. But, yeah. But if there's already one location, right, where all drivers, you know, they've already applied they have a centralized profile. New companies can come seek them out. I think there is still a chance for a win-win there, right? You guys can get more business, and the platforms can pay less in recruitment. Right, and that and actually, that's a great point because Uber does have to. T- Uber actually, right now, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. We've been talking about it on the podcast recently, but I've been saying this, David, since I met you. And finally, they, I mean, no joke, it's its done. Dude, they are offloading every wasted cabillion department they have. They unloaded, I mean, they unloaded Autonomous now fully diluted, gone. Um, they unloaded Uber Air, which was a, a multi-cabillion dollar waste. And they were like in 150th place. Javi Aviation bought them out last week. So Uber, Uber, Uber Air got turned to Uber Helicopter, got turned to Uber Elevate. Now Uber Elevate, the whole department is gone, and they don't have any expense there. Uber Autonomous, the deal is made. They don't have any expense there. They're, but Uber Micro Mobility, junk. That's already closed. So no. what they've finally done after all these years is got back to basics, and they're focusing on what they do. I mean, I think we all know that Uber Uber had to change its talk in the way it was talking in California because it had to present itself pre-voting as a technology-based company. It couldn't be, yeah, we're a rideshare dispatch middleman because then they very well could have lost the Prop 22. Um, 
So they had to play that angle of we're a technology company, we're in aviation, we're, they really never were. They were in last place in every single thing they did outside of rideshare. I mean, they, they didn't have the technology. There were companies way beyond what they're doing. But finally, AB5, I mean, if you look at the timeline, AB5 passed, and we're not even to the end of the year, and it's not even deals being made. They're gone. They sold them off. Yeah, the one part of that I'm going to be interested to see is what happens with sort of uh, micro-mobility. So they've sold Jump to Lime. Uh, but actually, if you look at the details there, they also have an option then to repurchase the entire Lime if they want to. Right. Sometime, but, I believe, end of 2021. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see uh, what happens there. I don't know. Yeah, and, it's, and those are just the e-bikes anyway. So, and then I heard that they shipped all those e-bikes to Mexico City... And, and I don't even really understand what they did. It sounds like they're just free to use down there. It sounds like they just dro- airdropped a million e-bikes and said, here you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if they're running them on the platform. I don't know what you have to do. I think you just get on them and ride them. I feel like that sounds like the beginning of a bad movie, is you wake up and a million e-bikes show up <laughs> <laughs> You wake up in a box with a bunch of j- Uber jump bikes and... You're being pushed out of a plane. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. So I guess real quick, then, I mean, does I mean, we're we're uh, gig gig. I mean, we talked about it there some, but so when this we get into 2021, we get in a little past the um, coronavirus, we start seeing it really fade, and it's really truly going away. Then what do you, uh, what do you, I mean, what do you think Uber's bounce back in the reality of the market will be then? Because, I mean, we, we already know, you can look up Austin, Texas. They've had like three ride shares that crushed it in Austin. We're doing great. And as soon as they tried to get bigger than Austin, they failed and closed. So it's almost like, you know, I, I guess this is the way I see it. It's almost like cities can divide and conquer almost because if you're not looking too big, you could almost take over your city or take a large chunk from Uber and Lyft. Yeah, I think it's possible to do it on sort of a local level. Uh, what remains to be seen is whether someone can capture sort of like the public's attention uh, beyond just the city, right? Uh, we'll see. Right. And I, I mean, I guess that's what I'm, and that's the thing too, is that, you know, obviously, um, like Jimmy was saying with the, with all the wasted money, you got to remember, they won't, I'm not really, I don't know how much of that waste of that money will start to come back into the, into the equation because it's going to be things like companies starting up in Austin. They're going to move a bunch of Uber PR marketing money over to Austin and bury that company as hard as they need to until it's gone. You know, so I, I just feel like, I mean, like we all, David, you and I always joke about it. Uber's constantly doing PR stunts. So I just feel like the money will just get reallocated. I mean, the big, the big chunk of money, the billions coming in from the sold divisions, I think that that will be something because obviously they got to start showing their investors something. I mean, even if it's not a profit right away, they got to start showing them that, hey, this these wasted divisions that you guys just dump billions into and we don't even know what we're doing, they got to show them they're smart enough to sell them. And they did. 
So. Yeah. I mean, I, I personally am probably way more bullish in the delivery space, not to be a downer, than in the rideshare space. Oh, yeah, years. absolutely. That's why yeah. DoorDash went through the roof last week. Yeah, I mean, because I think it's just, I think it's, it's, I don't know, hopefully it's easier for, uh, at least the people I've talked to, it's easier for them to go between shopping for groceries versus, you know, shopping for clothes or shopping for whatever than to ride share. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. You know, I, and that's one, I mean, one thing I really like too, I'll say that while we're on this, that um, one thing I love is, you know, the, the dumpling model itself, the way that, when Joel was on the podcast, the way he described how it evolved, like he was having, yeah. you know, you you had your personal grocers in the, like, if you're a vegan, you could go find a vegan grocer who only eats vegan themselves on the platform and hire them, try them out. And if they worked, you great, worked a few times. And all of a sudden he said that people were giving them their house keys and saying, do you mind just putting it right into the fridge for me? Hey, can you walk my dog? Hey, do you mind doing this for me? Hey, can you take me to the airport? So that's why the rideshare spark was because trust went a long way. And as these people, these shoppers were building trust and getting to know these people, it became a very personal thing and they wanted them to do everything. So I have a, I, I have a little bit of a lean that I think the most successful companies will be the ones to do a little bit of everything or to allow that kind of, yeah. You know, like, hey, you, uh, you know, um, like like applying for 15 apps through with Para. I mean, you, it would be great if, like, if you're an Uber driver, if you can dog walk, if you can deliver groceries, and if you can turn on and off those selections. Like, I don't want to dog yeah. walk, but I'll do groceries, and I'll do this, and I'll... The more they can add on the Uber platform that you could do, the more drivers are going to do. Yeah, and I think the important part there is uh, surfacing these things in the easiest possible manner, right? Because, you know, uh, having to look at the different apps and having to schedule different times and having to know what works or what doesn't or, you know, some trip brings you out into this other area. Uh, I think that's really what's been uh, limiting sort of the ability for people to piece together these things in a way that makes sense. So I think that's really sort of our mission here is how can we just... Uh, the way I put it is we're sort of building tools and an algorithm for you to accomplish what you want, basically. Yeah, I think there might be another, I mean, another thing that's really interesting that I've come across, the more people I talk to, because back to the multi-apping versus, like, multi-silo distinction, you know, I've talked to delivery or uh, rideshare drivers who are like, I, I, you know, I'm no one's pizza delivery boy, right? And then I'll talk to delivery drivers who are like, man, I can't imagine having a person in my car. Um, so I think, and this is this is something we'll find out as we go forward, is just how many people are actually willing to jump across silos. Because people do get comfortable, right? Like people who deliver groceries, they don't want to talk to people in their car. And people who are personable, they love, you know, talking to the packs in their car. They don't want to, you know, just say hi to someone at a restaurant and leave. Um, so no. it's going to be really interesting to see the type of person that works with us going forward. Post-pandemic, it will. You're absolutely right. I mean, I know, I can tell you right now, I can lift off, list off most of the drivers I know pre-pandemic told me I'll never deliver food. And right now, 90% of them are delivering food. That's interesting. So, I mean, financial, economic reasons pushed them into that. And they also saw that at the, you got to remember pre-pandemic, these, uh, del these uh, app-based deliveries were doing horrible, all of them. 
They were yeah. they were hemorrhaging money. So the pandemic hit. Nobody wanted ride share, but everybody needed food. And so they started yeah. all doing great. So why do you think DoorDash IPO'd now and pushed it through as quick as they could? Because they will never have a higher value than they do today. I mean, it could yeah. maintain for a while, but it will dip at some point. Yeah. yeah I mean, this is why when I, when I talk to average deliverers, right, even if it's totally fine if they don't want to sign up for other stuff, right, I tell them, look, even if you don't use us, but you want to sign up for the stuff just so you have it in your back pocket because the account is valuable. And I can't tell you how many people I've talked to the past few months who are like, yeah, I applied for Instacart in March and I haven't heard back for eight months. But imagine if they had signed up just a few months earlier yeah. in a different position they'd be in. Well, you, you could have been on all the platforms. <laughs> exactly, yeah. No, I, I, I fully agree. I mean, I guess I guess one of the things that I see, too, and I, I told David this, Jimmy, and I know we're on the podcast, but I'll mention it to you real quick, too, was that uh, Bryant from Ride Share, uh, from Legal Rideshare, um, he yeah. he said he'd be willing to talk to us about, um, they were, when Uber promised three weeks of pay to people, that, to drivers that caught COVID, um, they promised this, and they said that, you could be home, you'd get three weeks of pay averaged against your prior 20 weeks of work. They'd give you three weeks of pay, and then, then they'd put you back on the platform. So everybody that everybody that said, I need this, here's, and you had to submit your test, here's my COVID test, it tested positive, um, did not get a check. And most of them had to battle everything they had to get back on the platform if they even did. So once you told Uber or Lyft you had COVID, they were really like, even though they said they would, they weren't putting you back on the platform real quick. Um, yeah. And they weren't paying you. So what Legal Rideshare did was anybody that could produce the real evidence, they were paying them. So this will go to um, what we were talking, what David and I have been talking about for a while, Families of the Fallen. And then yeah. this will tie with With Para because he's willing to sit down with the With Para team and talk to all of us about... Uh, this is Brian for the founder and CEO of, of Legal Rideshare and talk to us about how they did it because they did it without a 501c3 to be able to donate this money. And it also was it also was coming in. I don't know. I had mentioned it and he wanted to wrap his head around it, but I think we can have a good discussion about that because one of the things too, like you just mentioned, like you're better off just applying for them even if you don't use them. Well, what about yeah. if... Now, let's say that people aren't going to use Families of the Fallen. And we've talked about in the past, so I won't get into the details of that. We'll save that for the new year. But let's say they, they do want to use it or they don't. Regardless, let's say that, like, you are just doing rideshare, but you got signed up for 15 platforms. Well, you now have 15 referral codes. So if somebody does say, hey, I want to drive for uh, DoorDash, and you're like, oh, I never do that. Well, it'd be a lot better answer to say, Here's my referral code. Yeah. Whether, whether it be families yeah. of the fallen or their private one, because either way, if that guy signs up and makes it, you're making money or families of the fallen is. Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. Like I've talked to a lot of people who are who kind of, you know, are leaders of small ride share or delivery communities, you know, online and stuff like that. And yeah, I mean like they're, so I think yeah, we talked about a bit about this off air. It all depends on where you are, but like they're, they're feeling this one particularly squeezed um, because they just don't have the volume of people who sign up with their referral codes to really make any money from it. Uh, which yeah. is which is all the more reason why it should be to families of the fallen. 
because yeah. I, I've already on many podcasts, I've put out the gauntlet warning to Uber, to whatever Uber person might be hearing this, whatever, or that it gets back to those people, whatever, that once we have five families in the fall and going, it's not that we think we'll raise millions of dollars. It's leverage yeah. against Uber because just like they, Uber loves nothing. They don't, they don't make profits, so they don't know money. But what they love is PR. And what we what they hate is bad PR. So the the thing becomes it's not a threat; it's a promise that if we start getting people signed up with Families of the Fallen over the past four years, I've made a lot of connections with news people. Uber would not want me taking the story that gig workers who barely get by are giving to Families of the Fallen, and Uber and Lyft and other app based companies won't match it or do anything. Yeah, yeah. And that story would run everywhere because that story could even get as far as including Brian from Legal Rideshare who could back us and stay, say, I had to step in and pay the promise Uber made to drivers. Or I didn't have to. I did because I felt so bad for how bad they lied to people. I mean, like, so if he's backing us, I mean, like, we got we got traction. I've got people I've talked to who, who did this, who contacted me, who I've kept their contact information. So when we actually have this discussion and things are rolling, yeah. we can have them on. We can have Legal Rideshare on, all on one podcast, and let it be known that the gauntlet's been placed. And, you know, it might not be checkmate, but it's check for sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's Uber check, yeah, you know? And I just feel like most important to me is sort of uh, people are hurting, right? And drivers need help. And the families of drivers who've unfortunately, you know, uh, fall into harsh, hard circumstances because of COVID. Like, it's a beautiful thing when each other helps each other. But at the same time, I sort of agree with what you're saying. is Everyone helps each other, but hopefully that also puts pressure on the companies to help uh, people too. Right. And, you know, and, and the other thing, so my brain started rolling like it does about that idea about when, when we talked about talking to Brian. And uh, I mean, one thing, too, is that it doesn't necessarily have to start off as just families of the fallen. What we could do is go back into what he was doing because he just ended up stopping it. It was there was still a need, but we could try and help out as many people as we can paying Uber's promise. Yeah. Oh, you you're gonna you have COVID. Here's three weeks of pay, and it comes out of that. And that way, we could figure out how he did it, try and circumvent it that same way. Again, it's a it's yeah. a real bad PR story for Uber to be mixed up in, because yeah. it, it would run everywhere and it would run for a while and it would stick in people's heads. Yeah, but I love that matching idea of yours. That's that'd be amazing if we could pull it off. Well, guys, uh, I obviously um, thank you as always for your time. I'm looking forward to jumping into these projects. And uh, David, I guess you got fish to catch, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a, I got a, I got a job to get. So. <laughs> By the way, people, I did tell David that he could just go to the fish market, buy one, hook it to his line, take a picture, and boom. <laughs> uh, although I, I did, I caught, I caught, I went out yesterday in the fog and the rain. Uh, I caught absolutely nothing, but the guy next to me caught a shark. So, <laughs> you know, I guess, I guess, well, to not, I guess to not be dishonest, you could have, you could go to like a, a like a, a like a fish market 
and put the hook in the fish's mouth and, and take a picture of you reeling it in off the ice? <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, oh, man, however you catch it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so anyway, um, yeah, you got your stuff going on. You got this uh, delivery thing and this, uh, did you say your dog? No, I wish I had a dog. Oh, I thought no, you no, said no, you uh, Oh, I heard it right. No, was. just, uh, oh, sorry, job, job, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna oh, go oh, job. Like, I'm <laughs> going to go, in, yeah, I'm going to go interview for the delivery. Oh, I thought, I, 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 thought, I, thought you said, I thought you said, pick, so. I thought you said picking up. Oh, yeah, no, I said hopefully they accept me for this job. It should be interesting. Oh, yeah, that would have made sense. Hopefully they accept me for this dog. <laughs> Uh, well, good luck, David, on that. I'm sure. I don't know how bougie of a dog that would have to be for them to go <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm sure you'll do good. Um, and I guess, uh, Jimmy, you got lines to go catch. Looked like there was some snow in the mountains. I do, man. No, it's coming down. But hey, thanks for inviting me on, Steve. This was awesome. Yeah. We got we to gotta cover Dumpling Deeper next time. I love that episode. Um, but yeah, man, thank you. Yeah, no, I think, that, uh, I think that after the new year, we should figure out a date. Uh, maybe even do it around David around whatever you're starting to target as the beta when it moves alpha to beta. Yeah, I think that would be a good time to like maybe even on the launch day do a podcast and then because I'm holding back telling people at this point. You know, we tried that for a minute and there was a couple things with another project that we're having hiccups. But I think once we get to once you get to beta with this, I think that's the time to hit up the right people and get them. Let's try this. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And that's probably good. And that's probably a really good time for us to do this again and and have a, a, you know, a a deeper discussion about some of these issues. Maybe we could even all email before the podcast, like two topics we'd like to cover on and try and hit all of them, or at least see if we doubled up on some and, um, and really, you know, come with all of our notes on it and whatnot. But um, I think that I think that I don't think that at the strike of midnight on December thirty first, the world's going to change. But I think that coming into the new year, it, it's, I think we're going to see some new attitudes, and and I think we're all just kind of fingers crossed, hope that things are still, even though we're seeing spiked numbers, that we're we're seeing things coming out of the woods. And I mean. At least the death toll, it's way down, you know? I mean, like, we're seeing more cases than ever, but barely any deaths. Or, I mean, I shouldn't say yep. barely, because even one death is too many. But, I mean, we got up to 250,000, and now we're at, like, what, 280, 290, two months later. So we've seen a major slow in deaths. Yeah. No, I think we're all figuring it out. So I, I think you're right. Hopefully things will bounce back. Yeah, I mean, and, and they and they have to. And I mean, Jimmy, you're right for now. I mean, for now, it is all app-based food delivery. That's why Uber bought Postmates. That's why it tried to buy Grubhub. Um, that's why DoorDash went IPO. These companies aren't stupid. They know that not only is it going really well for them, they know it's going to last for a while. Because even when the world's back to normal, let's say June, let's say that people are starting to get back out, concerts are happening with less tickets sold and they're doing certain things that's still not normal. People will still be using these apps. So, um, I think that they, they definitely see a two to three 
year trail for the app-based food delivery that could, could taper off some, but that will stay very busy. Um, I th- without those, I mean, do you, I mean, the big question is, could you even imagine what these companies would look like if none of them had thought of and weren't doing app-based delivery? Yeah. I mean, I think we'd see Lyft out of business. Um, I know they're not doing app-based yet, but they're starting to touch into it and other things. And they've been just throwing over dead weight left and right. Um, you know, it's like, um, and I think we would even see potentially Uber on the verge of death. Yeah. If Uber didn't have Postmates and Uber Eats, I don't know where they'd be right now. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, this is, and this is why I'm, you know, we'll cover it on another podcast, but even, even more than short term, I, I'm bullish on delivery because I think it's easier for a single deliverer to switch between different tasks. Sure. You know, right? There's delivering medicine and, right? Delivering people is just one subset of delivery, but that's just my opinion. No, I think you're right. I think I think one of the greatest inventions of Uber, and it could be fourth, it could be, it could be foresight of them looking into the future, was the new feature of being able to favor drivers. Yeah, I saw that. I mean, that that's telling me that they're getting near a place of maybe creating driver profile pages. Yeah. I mean, that's what Dumpling does. So you can all read all about your shopper, learn about them. Um, yeah. You know, book that. If you want to go to the airport, I mean, now you can book your driver that you want through Uber, but they have to accept it. So, not you're not guaranteed to get that driver driver you favorited. But if you favorited five, you can try for your favorite one, then go down the list till you get one of them. But once there's like a profile page, if they get to that point, you actually probably could just book. Yeah, yeah. I mean, drivers already do this anyways. You know, so it's. It's kind of a platform finally coming around to it. Well, I mean, it's I I love this because I think we all approach it from different angles on how we view things, but I think we all at the end sync up on what needs to happen. And the bottom line that I that I'd like to say here is that uh, I have always been for the drivers. I mean, when I was driving, you know, fifty hour weeks when I didn't have my son, thirty hour weeks plus when I did, um, a lot of nights, stuff like that for years. I, I mean, pay has been an issue. Other things have been an issue. Um, yeah, things just have to bounce back. Right now, there's no reason for drivers, veterans to get on the road. There's no reason for somebody to become a new rideshare driver. And as we mentioned just in this conversation many times, if you go to apply to be an app-based delivery driver, that's like getting a job at the N, uh, at the NSA or something these days. I mean, yeah. The security you, you can become you can become a government uh, undercover NSA agent probably quicker security check than with Uber Eats. Either yeah. either that or they're holding you up because the platform's full. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, I mean, it, it, and it's hard to understate how yeah how varied it is, right? Like I like we just help some people get on Uber Eats and Postmates, right? Just snapping their fingers, but the yeah, other people just takes months. So it's yeah, there's not, it's hard to tell from the outside, you know, the rhyme and the reason for it. Just, well, you know. we, we always just call that market to market, you know, like, I mean, yeah, like, like it. it's, it's, I, I've, I've even, David and I have talked about this many times too, is that um, market to market, these companies, like, uh, they don't want to get involved in all the discussions on Twitter. If you notice, they don't, 
because they don't want to say, hey, no, you make better than that. Or if somebody's like, hey, Uber, why am I making crap? And they post screenshots. What happens is people from other markets chime in and say, no, I make twice that. No, you don't. So Uber loves it because they're like, oh, you took that fight over. Good. Yeah. And it is true. I mean, they did create a platform and it's in such a way that it is market to market. But again, people, you do have to remember that don't think that no matter what, your very best friend in the world who very well could be honest with you, what he's making and whatnot, same hours that you might try out of the gate, don't hold him to that number or anything. Realize this is your business. Most businesses that start up take two to three years to turn a profit. Now, that's not how this should be because you're looking to make money right away. But at the same time, you need to build a business. It's, it's like how I love the dumpling model. Even for the, the non-dumpling models like Uber Lyft, you still need to apply that thinking when you go into there. I mean, I was a bartender for years. If you're not personal and you're not willing to start your own business, rideshare is not going to be good to you. Yeah. Period. You know, I mean... I don't know. I mean, like, it, there's just, it's, it's like, it's like me. If you, it, I am so personal that if you stuck me in a warehouse job, I also don't mind physical labor, but if you stuck me in a warehouse job, I'd go crazy. Yes. But there are people I know who make good money doing warehouse jobs and like it. And that's what they do. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah. you know, that's people right. don't realize that sometimes that even with app based, it's like everything else. It is person to person, like it's market to market. It might just not be a good fit for you. Yeah, and I know we've, you know, me and David have extended lots of invitations on the podcast already, but you know, we we have this one of the perks of us talking to so many people. If anyone is interested in talking to like a pro, right, in a certain silo or field, whether it's ride share or delivery or moving or dog walking, you know, we'd be more than happy to connect you with someone who who knows their stuff. Uh, certainly, way better than us, you can get a better feel for it. So. Yeah, I mean, I and I, yeah, I can always do that for people too. Even in the gigs I don't work, I have a, I have quite a knowledge base, and I even have a understanding of how much the markets, each market to market, many of them, the bigger cities make. Like I could tell you, if you were looking to do dog walking through uh, Rover, you know, I can tell you the issues with that, and I can tell you a few cities that I know some people do very well, but overall. That's not even one I can say. Well, I know some markets do really well. Overall, people just don't do very well with Rover, period. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that gets because they're treating it as their only app. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, they're just opening it up to theft, too. I mean, as soon as the people meet, they can just make their own deal. That is true. So, (laughs) I mean, as soon as that dog walker says, yeah, I make this. And the people like each other and says, okay, you want to do this five times a week for me? That's becoming part of the family at that point. And if you were to say, yeah, I only make this, they're like, well, I pay twice that. Yeah. Well, that's going to make them just pay you directly. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to talk about, man. I didn't mean to to keep you on here, but. No, no, we're uh, good. We're good. So um, I guess last words from either of you. Or for both of you? <laughs> no, I think just thanks for having us. And if, uh, you know, if what we're working on intrigues anybody, we would, you know, sign me and Jimmy up to be your assistant. Just, you know, shoot us an email, info at withpara.com. 
Thank okay, you. and I'll and I'll put that link up in the uh, in the linear notes, people too. If you didn't write it down, I'll put the info at withpara.com um, so that you can just click it, click it directly and email right to David um, and Jimmy. So uh, that said, um, I guess go out and have great days, guys. <laughs> yeah, thank you, man. Stay warm, Steve. Yeah. Same to you. Same to you, brother. Take care. Later, guys. See ya. All right, guys, so uh, lots to be taken in there. Again, um, I was mentioning that uh, it was in the beta mode, and uh, David termed it better by saying, you know, it's more the alpha mode. Beta should be in uh, early next year. Um, That's when we'll get back on the podcast again and really dial in some of the more details. We, You know, if it's alpha and beta mode and it's in its very pre-stage, it's not... You know, it's not probably a good idea for us to get all the ideas out there because in the past we've put out some really great ideas, David and I, and then it's it's just taking a while to get them to full fruition. So, but however, this is changing now, uh, and it seems to be like uh, you know a lot of good people or a handful of good people have just come together. Um, David and I have been doing stuff together since PUA, and uh, and all through the pandemic so far. Um, even just the other day, David mentioned, and I agreed that one of the pandemic, one of the cool things about the pandemic that happened, if I hate to say one of the cool things, but honestly, one of the cool things that happened was, um, I met somebody like David. I wouldn't have met him if it wasn't for this. Um, but I am sorry that, uh, I am in, um, the outside, I am north of Victor and Driggs and a little east uh, towards Grand Targhee in Idaho, right on the Idaho-Wyoming border by Yellowstone, buried in the woods. So um, I know I'm not trying to get pity because it's gorgeous and beautiful here, and I'm here for some relaxing days. Um, so that's great. Uh, but I am sorry that I'm not at my in my studio or recording this uh, and doing all those same ways. I saw, I saw the levels dipped a little bit. But a little volume, but attenuation, and then uh, you know that obviously future won't happen. But I, I, it wasn't it wasn't enough for me to have to go back in and try and like uh, um, re EQ anything or like that or bring up the levels. It seemed uh, at a good at a good rate for what I had to work with. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's it for the week. Uh, next week um, we have a guest and. Oh my God, I don't have it in front of me, (laughs) but we do have a guest. Um, Okay. Uh, There's, I'm starting to book out a bunch of stuff. I told you I might not do anything beyond today uh, with these guys until the new year, but it's, I'm already booking other things. So Um, anyway, uh, that's it. Um, we will be back next week, so we'll have one more episode before Christmas, so I won't say happy Christmas yet, but happy holidays. Hopefully everybody's getting some relaxing time, doing something. I know it's been a crazy, crazy year, and a lot of people are struggling. Um, so lend a hand, help people out, do something nice, uh, do something nice for yourself, and uh, you know, catch us back here next week on the rodeo. Uh, we'd love to have you, and... Uh, and uh, we're starting to branch out some of the things we're doing. So it's a, it's a great time to be on board with Rideshare Rodeo, UberLiftDrivers.com and WithPara.com. Um, 
because you're going to see the, it's been, this is our 35th episode, but it's going to, you're going to see some real transformation in the next, over the next five episodes. Cause that's, well, let's say six, that'll put us into end of January. You see a lot of transitions, a lot of things change for the better and a lot of new options that you won't know about unless you're listening to the podcast. That said, again, see you next, see you next week back here on the rodeo. Uh, take care of everybody.